You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hey, Mickey. Bob. <laughs> Mickey. Bob, <laughs> I did not ask for the anal probe. <laughs> but you did. I didn't ask you, for an anal probe. Is, You're getting is, me mixed up with somebody else. You're getting me mixed up with one of your Beverly Hills thrill-seeking friends. This I've never not a t- requested or even intimated that I would like an anal this, probe. What, this is is not a, what is that? This is, not a tu- this is the anal probe. It's not a Tubin reference, Bob. It's um, a it's, reference to your recent uh, newsletter about aliens coming and administering us anal probes. <laughs> Only when absolutely necessary. I said they'd be uh, nice. I predicted that they would be nice. Nice uh, anal probes. Okay. <clears throat> we can get into that later. Uh, but I wanted to get into it right now. Uh, what I said was they won't. I predict that they, they will be nice and they will not eat us and they will not administer any anal probes that aren't absolutely necessary. That's, right, a, and- that's a working definition of, of a nice alien. Right, and 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 readers have reacted against this benign view of aliens. Uh, have they? A tweeter named Selfish Wizard. Well, there are a couple of comments on your newsletter. Also, a tweeter named Selfish Wizard said, "Bob believes the universe has a purpose leading to an omega point of enlightenment, where that purpose is revealed. It seems the statistical likelihood of a universe filled with life is quite high, but the likelihood that advanced life forms will share Bob's purpose may not be." And that's my general critique of this, which is, you know, what if it's a failure of the imagination? Why couldn't we have a rational alien civilization perfectly capable of mastering interstellar warp drive that was not benign, that believed in an us versus them mentality? They were perfectly rational with themselves, but they killed and ate aliens or they they did what uh, Michael Valentine Smith does in in, uh, that Robert Heinlein novel, which is. You understand, you know, a new, a new life, new planet. You mm-hmm. thoroughly grok it. That's where the word grok comes from. And then you destroy it. It's like the Mandela is like the Buddhist making Mandela's. Uh, life is ephemeral, but you understand that you destroy it. Uh, so we would be understood. So should we, we go down? I have a reply, but should we go down this rabbit hole or say that we'll, we'll resume it in the parrot room or say that we'll resume it at the end of this? I'm I mean, in favor of going down all rabbit holes. It just seems to me you're trying to divert everyone from what the obvious lead topic is. Which is what? How deeply saddened Mickey is that his nemesis, Jeffrey Tubin, has been rehabilitated. I oh, wanted to on, extend my there's sympathies. A, there's a parrot room topic. We have three great parrot room topics. We have Hunter Biden, Jeffrey Tubin, and Jeffrey Epstein. The trifecta. Of yeah, there is something room. I want to say about Epstein. Okay, well, let's room. put that up. But what, what, about... what happened to Hunter Biden? Not that I want to leave either Tubin or the UFOs on the shelf here. He we was will... caught. He was caught using on uh, in his laptop using a form of the N word. We'll get to that. Oh right, I saw that. But okay. he was well. Anyway, but, not but, that I'm here to defend why, Hunter why Biden. Why we? You're you're trying to push your paradigm topics on on my serious sober. Not paradigm topic, which is alien life forms. Oh, Jeffrey Tubin's not serious now. He was really um, serious. Did you see him? He looked super serious. He was sort of affable. Um, he's he's clearly not topic A. I mean, Jesus, we have reconciliation. We have, uh, you know, <laughs> How about democracy. Reconciliation? Democracy is dying, and you want to talk about Jeffrey Tubin? Jesus, but Jeffrey Tubin is a symptom. We have the COVID epidemic still raging. We have infrastructure bills moving slowly through Congress. 
I mean, so far, Tubin and UFOs are tied for most interesting, <laughs> I would say. Keep going. Well, Maybe something will happen. Well, let's but... do the UFOs now before you have time to think of a response. Oh, man. Do you think people care? Really? Okay. Fine. Let's do it. We can do it quickly. Quickly. Well, this report is coming out any week now from the government that's going to say, well, you should take it um, kind of seriously, maybe. Uh, I was listening to this podcast about this, uh, the Washington Post podcast, and for the first time I heard what Obama had actually said. And he kind of, it was kind of ill-advisedly phrased. What he said was, so far as aliens go, I can't tell you all I know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's exactly what he said. He didn't even say, so far as UFOs go. Right. And then he went on to be more explicitly tantalizing, and you couldn't even tell if he had been kidding in the first part. Anyway, um, UFOs. Okay, so this report's going to come out. It's going to be topic A. People might as well be prepared to discuss it in the most profound context, which, of course, is my newsletter. So I put out this newsletter arguing that, uh, well, two things. We should hope a, that there are extraterrestrials who show up pretty soon or else at least communicate from afar. Because one thing science has shown us in recent decades is that there are a lot of planets in the so-called Goldilocks zone, which is, say, not too hot for life, not too cold for life. If there were water on the planet, it wouldn't spend the whole year as ice and it wouldn't just be vaporized. Um, and... Like in our galaxy alone, the Milky Way galaxy, there are at a minimum like 20 billion, billion with a B, of these planets, okay? And and so if you assume that our planet wasn't just uniquely blessed with the origin of life, and then if you assume a couple of other things like evolution, natural selection would tend to create more complex and intelligent life as it's on our planet, that eventually you'd have at least a half decent chance of getting a life form intelligent enough to launch technological evolution, would would it which would itself have a similar trajectory, then presumably you'd get at least a fair number of planets. I mean, remember, we're starting with 20 billion, okay? You get at least a fair number of planets that would be a few millennia ahead of us technologically, especially given that many of these planets are way, way, way older than ours, okay? And and so then if they, you know, if there are a few millennia ahead of us, they probably got a way of communicating with us. Um, and uh, and that's what you would expect. I mean, you actually need a few millennia plus a few millennia because uh, it might take them a while to get here. Uh, but, you know, uh, but but still, um the, 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 so the, so the, the most plausible answer as to why there wouldn't be extraterrestrials is that if you buy those assumptions that life itself is not all that unlikely and so on, is that they get to the point we're at and then they blow themselves up. They, they like, or else they keep descending into chaos. They just can't get past this barrier. I mean, it's a good time to plug the whole purpose of my newsletter, the Apocalypse Aversion Project, which is devoted to getting us to cross the threshold into a global community rather than remain mired in tribalism and continuing to repeatedly descend into, uh, you know, succumb to the baser uh, part of our nature. But, not not even baser, but but anyway, and certainly not blow the thing up. So first of all, that, that was the first thing I said. It's bad news if there aren't aliens right. out right. there chomping at the bit to chat with us. I want right. them to show up. Then the second point was, the one you brought up, 
they'll probably be nice because I maintain that to get past the point we're at, to cross that threshold, you, you have to do more than say, well, I, it is my argument that you actually have to progress morally in a, in a somewhat profound sense. You have to become aware of your cognitive biases, aware of how, um, how groupish your psychology but, is and actually see the world more clearly in a more enlightened way. But that assumes that their problems are the same as our problems. I, you know, why would their problem be tribalism? Maybe they're, maybe they surmounted tribalism. They have no tribes. They're all one species and they all love each other, but they have some other problem, which is they have like a suicidal impulse or something. They have to, they have to, I mean, you don't know. It, it, no, it, yeah, it but, seems to be reification. You're assuming that everything else is just like us. Maybe they is that come what reification means? You sure that's what reification means? Uh, I may win on these grounds alone. I, I think. As, I think I just won the debate. As I use it, reification, and and, and 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 I admit I have trouble finding this exact definition on the web, but it's what I was taught. Reification is the false assumption that the way things are is the way they always will be. I thought reification was like concretizing the abstract or something. But anyway, there, there's that wait, too. Uh, I, wait, I should. I should. Get back in self-promotion mode and say it's the non-zero newsletter on Substack. That's how you find right. what I'm calling the Apocalypse Aversion Project. Okay, so the question you ask is a good one. And it's true that this part of the the argument I have never sat down and fleshed out. I don't – it's not like I would imagine, you know, getting some magazine to publish it or getting people to buy it in book form. But I think you could argue that the, that what we're calling the psychology of tribalism is actually the expression of fairly generic characteristics which would have to be found on any planet that would get life to us in a, to our level in the first place and and by that i mean there has to be a certain kind of interplay between zero sum and non-zero sum dynamics that is what has led to the psychology of tribalism the fact that we uh, have a, a tendency both toward intense competition and toward co cooperation. I maintain that natural selection naturally generates that and that those two are in dialectic throughout natural selection. But in any event, if you have a species that doesn't have those things, it's not going to get to where we were in the first place. It's, it's probably not that easy to find a species on earth that doesn't have those two things. That, that isn't a product of this interplay between zero sum and non-zero sum dynamics and doesn't events both intensely competitive and uh, cooperative tendencies. But that would be, that would be a good book. paper. That would be yeah. a good paper. You should write that paper. For an academic journal, uh, which would do me no good because I'm not an academic. Is that what you mean? Correct. And then they would reject you and you'd publish it on the web anyway. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> why, why go through the journal phase? Well, because... Because it'll be impressive. I don't know. The uh, okay. Well, I, 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 why do we have to, why why are why are life forms uh, alien life forms necessarily carbon based? Maybe they're based on something they else. Might, that's my point. It's more generic than that. They might not be carbon, but they would still, if it was natural selection, and especially if it got life to this really this level of of, of tremendous technological accomplishment. It would have to have been characterized by and engineered in keeping with this interplay between right. zero sum and non zero sum okay. dynamics. But I really think th th this tubing thing is just just keeps drawing well, me back. Well, you sure I, we I, want to stay I, with I UFOs? Get, I, I, I no, I I, I I accept your answer. I want to lower the lower the level of conversation a bit because you had you had been angry at Elon Musk. I think last week 
for for planning an escape two weeks pod. Ago. Two, two weeks, weeks for planning an escape pod. You know, yeah. he's going to Mars. He's going to leave all our problems behind. We'll destroy ourselves and blow us up. I, I wanted to to push back on that, as they say in the business world. I want to push back on that, Bob? And you, uh, you sure you don't want to interrogate it? You could interrogate it. Is that what they say? That's what they say in academia. Yeah. I think we should interrogate I, that. I assumption. want to complicate it, isn't that? That's you can complicate English. it. That's English. Why, okay. why don't you? Why don't you push <laughs> okay. back? Interrogating, but, complicate. Uh, Elon Musk. Suppose Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos all escape on pods, okay? And they go to Mars. They're not going to have any fun. No, it's plus not be fun. we will be rid of them. In that sense, it's, I'm in favor. It's not going to be fun for them. They're not going to want to do it. It's like it's like the Vanity Fair party, okay? Graydon Carter has a series of ex- ever more exclusive parties, okay? He started with a big Vanity Fair party with a lot of drunk nobodies and a few movie stars, and he became more and more selective, you know, only movie stars, only big movie stars. And finally, the final apotheosis of Vanity Fair parties is you're alone in a room with Tom Cruise and you're bored out of your mind because you don't want to talk to Tom Cruise, okay? Did you make and, it into one of these during the drunk nobodies no, phase? I, no. No, I made I you don't oh I I for, I'm I sorry. Even, you I, don't drink. That's right. Okay. I never even made it into the zoo. Great card is famous for saying there are seven rooms, okay? I never I never even made it into the first room. Okay. okay. So I'm I'm just saying, uh Elon Musk flees the earth for the second room on Mars. He's not gonna have any fun. Okay. Here in Earth he's having fun. He's like putting obscene tweets up, he has a rock star girlfriend, everybody you know, he has millions of people worshiping, that's fun. Being alone on Mars with Jeff Bezos, not fun. Okay, so they're not. Gonna <laughs> By the do way, it. you know some people who disagree in a certain sense. You might think that being fired up in a rocket into orbital space with Jeff Bezos and then descending back down is not a good time either. And yet, Jeff Bezos, to his credit, did you see this announcement? He said, you know, his company, whatever it is, Blue something. What is it? Blue, Blue Origin? Sky, I think. Blue, Blue Origin. No, it's not Blue yeah. Sky. Blue Origin. Blue Origin. Blue. Uh, they are going to they're getting into the space uh, tourism business and right. charging people ridiculous sums of money to do something slightly better than a roller coaster. You just go straight up and come down. I, I'm not even sure right. you orbit once. But anyway, yeah. he, to his credit, in the maiden flight. He's going to be on board. He's eating the dog food, man. I, I, I respect saying, the hell out of that. There's but he's some joke about, crazy. <laughs> there's some joke about about uh, man. If you're henpecked enough by your new girlfriend, there's some do anything. To, yeah, there's some even even thirty six hours of of uh, <laughs> solid. So anyway, there are people who are who are paying huge sums to be with him. You might not pay those huge sums to be with Jeff Bezos. There are people paying him. Or are they paying to go to space or to hang with Bezos? They get that. Well, they get to hang with him on this flight, right? But if the flight, if it was the same flight without Bezos, with how far would the they price would charge down? less? I think. I don't yeah. know how it's worked. Maybe it's like a raffle or something. But they would charge. I think you would pay less once he's no longer part yeah. of it. Uh, but maybe um, if it doesn't go well, he'll have to go on every one as bait. That'll that'll be what he does. That'll for be a great. Living. Well, the, you know, he'll still have the girlfriend, so it'll still be worth it to him. I, I make an exception for Bezos. He may want to be on Mars, okay? You know, but, he's got the look. But, Plus, uh, you know, his mentor, his mentor at Princeton was this uh, space guy, Eugene O'Neill, who whose stuff used to be featured on the cover of Omni magazine. I mean, he he uh, he didn't just make this up. He wasn't. What, what God? What if Jeff Bezos was a dis- disciple of the Many Worlds guy? Well, would, there'd be more competitors for Amazon. The guy. 
little known fact, Mickey, the guy uh, who came up with the many worlds interpretation, Hugh Everett. Have I told you this? He he owned your house. No, he was taught quantum physics okay. by the uh, guy whose family uh, we bought the house from. Okay, that's a little too indirect. Well, the, but no, anyway, but that guy uh, is notable too. But we'll get into that in the parable. Okay. Anyway, I just want to make my point about about uh, the Great and Carter theory of Elon Musk. Um, okay, I'm ready. I'm done. Go on to your great topics, but uh, and uh, I'm happy to talk about anything here or anything in the. I don't have uh, that much. I mean, I want to talk about Kamala, of course. I want a little bit about Tubin. I mean, first, give him credit for. Did you see the thing, the CNN thing? I did. I fi- I finally played it last night. So give him credit for what he did I'm, right. He kept I'm his gonna hands be, ab- I'm gonna above be, the I'm, desk. I'm going to be spending months in therapy. Was it hard? No, that's what he said. He's going to be spending months. months he spent <laughs> well, months, months. There was in a great therapy. Mickey. There was a great joke waiting for me there. I think, but I wisely did not seize it. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, well, you rewind the tape, and you'll see okay. there was okay. this moment. I could have just done something ill-advised. I um, had something to say about too, but he he he's he specific. You know, our theory was. Uh, that there must have been something else that David Remnick found at the New Yorker to fire him because it's not really enough to fire somebody from the New Yorker. After well, we that know long. about his history that came to light. That's why but I didn't he, think he'd be rehabilitated. But he CNN. swore he swore in this interview that that wasn't the case. That there were there was nothing else in the New Yorker. It wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back. He specifically said there was no prior history that hurt him. It was just no, 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 no. I don't mean that. The, just the tubinating incident. No, the history we know about. He got Jeff Greenfield's daughter pregnant, right? Right. And then I forget the exact story, whether the claim was that I think she ultimately had to sue him to get life, uh, uh, child support or something. He initially resisted, yes. And did he, he allegedly encourage an abortion or something? Not that that would be the first I, time that's happened. I, um, I, I don't, I don't want to libel anybody. So no, I don't. But anyway, no, but, but all this stuff, people can Google it, but all that came, came up. The fact that. A woman who apparently is, is, you know, well-known former book editor Judith Regan accused him of, of you know, walking up and saying dirty words in her ear before she'd even met him or something. Uh, there was a, well, there was a bunch of stuff that came up, and, right. and that's. And, I mean, so, it's out there. I'm not saying that, it. And he These says, did you, "Did you hear the interview?" He said that that didn't play a factor in the New Yorker. It was just the. No, incident. I didn't watch the whole said. interview. I'm not like what do you, what oh, kind well, of guy I do you did. think I am? I, I'm spending my time doing serious stuff. I, did. I just watched out. long enough to see that he was keeping his hands above okay, the desk. Well, so you, and that's the main thing I was wondering. Well, I go the extra mile, Bob, and I watched the whole thing. And he said it was not it was not that plus the pre-existing problems. It was just that. And he also promised there were no other shoes to drop. Uh, well, which yeah. Seemed, which seemed like a little bit of a uh, hostage to fortune. Since well, what's he got if, to lose? If they if, drop, if, he's toast right, anyway. That's the point. That's the point. There are two... There, if there are two women who have come forward and saying this, and he obviously this is his routine, what you know that means they're like, are they the only two? Probably pretty unlikely. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, he well, he's he's definitely at some peril. Well, if you watch the whole thing, can you confirm my suspicion that the interviewer never asked him the two questions I would have asked him, which I think any good journalist would have asked him. What was her name? Who is she? She's Elsa like Camerata. Yeah. I thought she was. I thought she asked some good questions. So go ahead. Well, tell me, she asked these. Okay. Why were you masturbating during a Zoom call? Did she ask that? Like, what yes. were you doing? Yeah. Did she? Yeah. What did he say? He's 
She she asked the question like, "What were you thinking?" And he said, "Well, no. I wasn't thinking at all." Yeah, no, 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 no. You got to follow up. You got to say, "No, I want to know what had aroused you." Right. What, what what porn site had you dialed into? He cheated. Or was there a woman on the line? And then the other thing is, um, he says it was so stupid and so wrong. I would, as they say, interrogate uh, and complicate the the it's so wrong answer by saying, um, I mean, I'm genuinely interested. What would he say is deeply wrong about it is is masturbation deeply wrong? I mean, if it is, he shouldn't be back. I mean, yeah, I mean, is is masturbation per se deeply wrong? Was the fact that uh, his wife was in the next room and didn't know about it deeply wrong or. Was there some extenuating circumstance that made it deeply wrong? Was there another woman involved? Was it a woman? Whatever. I, it's he, seriously interesting question. What he, are what are the norms on this? What are the what are you know? He he, he I think he'd have an answer to that, and at some point he'd say what he said self servingly in his Clinton book, which is adultery tells you nothing about a person's character, Bob. It's just a prurient exercise by the press to find out. Tawdry gossip. That's what he said about Clinton. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was How convenient! It was very convenient. Very convenient. Hmm. He also slimed my friend Mike Isakoff. Yeah, but you resented him before that, right? No, no, that was the source. That was the initial. Uh, I think you don't just resent his success because you both went to fancy law schools and he's like getting paid to talk about law. And you're resent, talking to me. I, of course, I resent that, but uh, you know, I could resent. I could resent a whole lot of people more than him. Uh, but, um, he, no, I was his only friend in Washington. I thought that when his, when his book came out trashing the special prosecutor Walsh, uh while the case was still pending, when he'd been on Walsh's staff in violation of all rules of legal ethics. Okay. Even Washington, as decadent and immoral a place it is, turned on Jeff Tubin and said, this guy's broken an ethical bar. And nobody turned up at his book party except me. You were there the one person, one person unethical enough to turn up at his book party, and that was me. Seriously, as an actor, this friendship. is like Graydon Carter's seventh room. There, it, it, I may have come late. There, there, I'm sure there were other people at the book party, but it sure seemed like it was mighty empty. And so I you, was there. so you know him. Uh, why was I? I mean, I knew him to you, say hi. I could, I, you I, could I, email him my questions. No, uh, I, I suppose I could if I had his email. He's friends with friends of mine and, you know, Kinsley, I think Kinsley like pulled his piece out of the slush pile because it was so well written. And he says, I've discovered this guy. He's a good writer. Okay. Wait, Mike Kinsley discovered, he, he inflicted Jeff Tubin on, no, I shouldn't say inflicted. He's fine. He's fine. I think he, 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 I would say inflicted. Yes. I think Kinsley played a part in inflicting Jeff Tubin on us. You know who else? You know who else? You know who else? And I played a role in this, maybe. Paul Krugman had been purely an academic, not a columnist to speak of. He emailed me to get Mike Kinsley's email address so he could approach him about writing a column for Slate. I don't know if you remember, but that, that's how this started. That's how Krugman, the columnist, started. And if you hadn't given him the email, he would have just given up. It's a, it's a kill Hitler in the crib question, man. <laughs> yeah. Should I have not answered that uh, email? Well, there you go. Uh, I'm happy that Tupin survived, A, because, uh, you know, he, he what he did probably wasn't enough to get fired. It's pretty bad. But uh, B, he's the gift that keeps on giving. He'll he'll generate more headlines. 
And the headlines all have the word masturbation in it, which is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's a long word, Bob. It takes up half the headline. Just How many letters does onanism? Onanism. Print, onanism. There you go. They'll discover that. That's shorter. That saves them. That saves them. A, yeah, but physical, oh, yeah. physical media are dead anyway. So it does. The letters don't really cost anything. Too well, bad bumps, we have a, an onanism comeback. Deck. It bumps their limits on the web too. You can't. Like, you know, anyway, I'm amazed at the number of headlines. This <laughs> Tubin masturbation scandal. It's like, okay. Uh, anyway, um, so, uh, I'm happy for him. He'll be, you know, he'll be continued grist for, uh, all of us. I'll be uh, watching. Um, so, um, I actually won't, but so what else, uh, should we re- stay as frothy as possible and move on to Kamala? That's the closest thing to fraud. Well, let's move to come. That's a step in the serious direction. Step toward yeah. gravitas. Um, so what did you think of, I mean, there's two, I guess there's two Kamala moments. There's the one where she uh, tells people in Central America not to come to America. And she took heat from the left. And then there's the, the moment, the weird uh, Lester Holt, I guess it is, interview where uh, she, he says, you haven't been to the border, have you? And she says, we have been to the border. He says, but you haven't. <laughs> Normally, when we use the word we, <laughs> it includes the person speaking. So she, so that's kind of odd. And then she says, and then finally she says, well, I haven't been to Europe. Uh, kind yeah. of as, as a kind of semi-joke or something that is a non sequitur. There, there was a good British fantasy tweet about a, a, a wife telling her husband, you didn't go to the group. A husband telling his wife, you didn't go to the grocery store. And the wife goes, well, I haven't been to Europe either. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So what? Um, She's obviously, uh, it seems to me clear to me she has an incompetent staff. They, they screwed up the campaign and they, they react in very crude, like inadequate fashion. That's like, that's obviously the question she's going to get that she hadn't thought through a better answer is, you know, who cares about her answer to this? She obviously is not up to. That sort of job, of, which is like the basic job of a politician, coming up with a good answer on the on the, um, you know, the border issue. Who cares if she's gone to the border? That's not an issue. I mean, you know, it, it, it's well, basically well, that's the why press, it's a weird the press stumble. demanding that she's gone to the border until she goes to the border and the press complaint goes away. That's not the complaint about the yeah, immigration yeah, but, policy. No, but I think that she failed. To, that's precisely why her failure to handle it well is a little alarming if she is the odds-on favorite to be the Democratic presidential I candidate. In, I agree. I don't and, think she's – not sure she's the odds-on favorite well, anymore. The, the odds are not moving uh, in her favor. The, uh, um, the uh, On the first one, you know, at first I thought, gee, this is a heartening sign that Biden is moving in a sensible direction. He realizes that the, you know, the immigration disaster unfolding on the border is not hurt, – it's hurting him in the polls. It's still going on. Uh, and he's – he, he, as, as, as he's done in a couple of instances, he's showing he's moving a little back toward normalcy. But then I thought, no, they always go down and they always go down to Central America and say, don't come. And everybody knows that that has no weight at all because as, as, uh, as Todd Bensman, uh, a very good reporter down there says, uh, what matters is they get cell phone calls from their relatives to say, I made it across. It's easy. Here I am in San Francisco. Uh, I'm with, I'm with our family. You should come too. And that's what carries weight, not Kamala saying don't come. And the, the president of Guatemala, I think, said the same thing, basically. So, uh, it, it, it was, it was just an obvious, ineffectual, 
piece of BS. And the fact that she's getting that she's getting attacked from the left for it is is completely insane. What's she supposed to say? You should come. Uh, no, uh, you know, it's just it's crazy that AOC and those people are are saying the administration is not being permissive enough. I just think they 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 marginalize themselves more and more when they say that. Well, as a political matter, uh, I, I, I guess I would just say they're probably not giving her the kinds of uh, feedback that will increase the chances of a Democrat winning the general election next time. But that's a common dynam- dynamic in party politics. Well, they're, they're trying. I think they're trying to push back from the other side so she doesn't, so the Biden position doesn't change. But uh, uh, you know, I keep waiting for it to fire for them to fire Ali Mayorkas and uh, at least seem to move back toward the center. And, you know, to, to stop the flood of, of people coming in, uh, just briefly, the statistics showed basically this, this month was the same as last month. The statistics, are, uh, they show are complicated because there was a slight decrease in women and children coming. Uh, but there was an increase in single adults coming. The single adult figure is suspect because a lot of those people are repeat offenders. So you can't. All the figures the press talks about are basically mired in complications. But the the key thing is they aren't the important figures. The important figures are the single men and single women who are sneaking across the border undetected. They're not in those figures at all. And we don't know how many of them there are, but we have reason to think that over the course of a year there or two years, they're in the millions. So the, the figure that, oh, well, 170,000 came last month. Uh, that's also a figure in the millions, but there's this other million that we don't even detect. So the the, the problem is still huge. I have a question. Has the number in kind of absolute terms of Mexicans crossing the border dropped in the last few decades, like a long-term trend? It dropped and then it picked up. It, it, for, for about eight years, it was falling steadily uh, as the Mexican economy was growing and and it was being replaced by Central Americans, uh, uh, but lately it, the Mexicans have started to come again because the economy's doing badly again. Well, that's one theory, and the other theory is uh, uh, because the border became noticeably more porous. Hmm. And I Biden would, issued la invitación. I would attach some significance to the Mexican economy. Uh, oh, obviously it's important, but. Uh, uh, if it, it, it's obviously not as good as the American economy, or else the Central Americans would stop in Mexico. They actually wouldn't be welcome there, but they, uh, you know, they could try. Um, yeah. So all uh, I so, ask is that Joe Biden. It, well, I actually ask two things. First, I ask that he not run for president again, because I just think the the age and cognitive. Uh, He's doing issues. better than I expected, though. He's, 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 he's doing okay. I just think that they're going to be they're going to be pretty steep hills to climb uh, in in three years. Um, I could be wrong, but but the the main thing I was going to say is if he's not going to run, please let us know well in advance of the general well, election, more well, than a year in advance of the general election, because I well, sure. I just don't think Kamala should be allowed to waltz in. She, but, she faces, you know, she's not even that well liked by Democrats. She's the, the left hates her. And uh, there are a lot of people who just don't react that positively to her. And, and I thought this one moment actually captured some of the reason. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, the um, the but the problem is, as soon as he does it, he becomes a lame duck. So he's not going to do it until after they lose the Congress. If they lose the Congress, oh yeah, well you wouldn't do it before that. Do, yeah, he's not going to do it before the midterms. No, uh, but I so, think I think but, within like seven eight months of those elections, he's got to tell us. But you you know there there are all these reporters who seem to have fairly complicated conversations with him. It's not like he's senile. So you know, I, I my theory is. That, Age has helped him. He used to be an irresponsible blowhard. He's become, he has now has much less energy. He knows his limits. He, he realizes he has to focus only on the task at hand. He can't, he doesn't go off on immature jags and he's humble. He's just so much better semi senile than he was when he was completely all there. Uh, and a better president. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like, I don't well, think he, he wasn't president before he was semi-senile, Mickey. He's kind of better president than he would have been if he'd won in 1988. Who but knows? The job matures a person. Look at Trump. It, it, it would have to do a hell of a job in 1988. Um, um that's speaking all of Trump, how is he, what's his status in your circles these days? Is he? Good question. In my, in my circles, we're for Trumpism without Trump. So we hope he somehow fades away and yet somehow turns out the vote in the midterms. So it's, uh, it's sort of a contradictory thing. And he's obviously that the last thing he wants to do is fade away and turn out the vote. He'd, he'd much rather not fade away and not turn out the vote. So, um, it, he's still a problem. I mean, he, he, uh, he, you know, he's, uh, I, I, you know, if I could press a button and make him disappear, I think I would press a button, and so would most of the people who I uh, trust on the right. But uh, but there is no button, so uh, you know he. I don't know. He's he. You know he he he's makes he gives a speech. He's ridiculed. He's mocked, but it doesn't seem to hurt him. There was actually a very moving helps him probably. It was a very moving passage in the an anti-war passage in the speech, actually, for all its for all its problems, which, you know, I didn't hear all of it, but he looked horrible. His pants were unpressed. People were theorizing. But they were not was, on backwards. No. And but was he wearing a diaper, Bob? That was the other theory. Um, uh, well, what was the story with the picture of the pants? I mean, I first of all, I got to admit, I fell for it. I, I the, actually. You thought I they were backwards? Saw, well, the first picture they circulated, it looked pretty. Like it was like, as George Tennant would say, it was a slam dunk. <laughs> they looked they were, they were, The pants were a mess, but they they didn't look like they were in backwards. Anyway, there was this very. He gave a, but in the middle of it, he gave a very moving thing about going to. It may have been completely apocryphal. Maybe he made it up. It doesn't matter. He, he about going to Dover Air Force Base to welcome the bodies home, mm-hmm. and, he, and he talks to the parents, and the parents are going on about how their son was a wonderful guy and what a great baseball arm he had and you know blah 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 and he tells the general uh well i talked to these parents they seem all right they seem fine and the general goes they're not and, and trump doesn't understand it and then the bodies come and the parents go berserk and they're crying and wailing and hurling themselves on the coffin and it's actually quite moving uh uh and so he's still capable of doing like doing impressive rhetoric and he's you know he's the only person pissing on biden over the border consistently so it's all a mixed bag before you steer this toward immigration can i steer it uh just very briefly toward uh the issue of military engagement and and afghanistan which was probably may have been the context for 
those parents uh, reacting. Uh, I just I said some time ago on this podcast when uh, when Biden said, OK, we're out of Afghanistan by September 11th, um, that they they were leaving a loophole for um, explicitly for counterterrorism. Like if we want to launch drone strikes or airstrikes for, you know, kill like anti-American terrorists. And I said that that loophole was was big enough to turn to, to keep them engaged just in fighting off the Taliban on behalf of the government. And now they are uh, talking about that. Here's a tweet from Kelly Vallejos uh, about a piece suggesting an internal, quote, debate over whether we will be giving Afghans air support to fight the Taliban after we leave. So th- that is apparently being debated in, uh, I guess, in the White House. Um, and I just note that was some and if, 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 if we get and your argument is we shouldn't give air support even if we can do it at no risks to ourselves. I'm afraid it is. Uh, I, I just think it's one of those things. It, it's like, I don't know. I've never gotten a divorce, but I suppose there are situations where it's like the marriage is so bad. It's actually in, it makes long-term sense to get out of it, but you're kind of, you just never, you always flinch because the, in the short term, it's so painful. And in this case, that would mean, you know, people dying. This is no, I'm not trying to minimize it, but of course, in the long term, it means people dying, uh, as long as there's a civil war raging. Um, so uh, I, I mean, in other words, not, uh, uh, you know, us, us not doing anything. Um, I mean, people are going to die either way. It's hard to say which way, uh, most people die. But anyway, this is a piece by Adam Weinstein in, responsible statecraft that people can check out us debating future air support for afghans against taliban and he's against it obviously yeah responsible statecraft is the is the you know the media right. outlet of the quincy institute and they're pretty it, pretty anti-intervention it, it also it degenerates into uh decent intervalism in other words uh our, you know after right. after when we when we were in vietnam there was this theory that nixon and kissinger knew that Vietnam would fall when we got out to the north, but they just wanted a decent interval. So, uh, A, a it sort of saved face for us, and B, right. it created some confusion as to, was this, was our pullout really why it fell? Well, there was a decent interval. Uh, so is Biden, if we do airstrikes, is it because we really want to stop a terrorist threat against America? Or because we want a decent interval, we want to tell the Taliban, look, don't be so. Don't be in such a hurry. Wait a decent interval until after we leave before you take over Kabul. Uh, uh, and, and you know, I would think both factors would obviously be at work. Uh, well, I, so, I think yeah. I mean, I think in a, in a, the average politician is going to be hoping for a decent interval at worst. And and yeah, I mean, the uh, our getting out of Vietnam involves such memorable moments as Kissinger. I think he was relaying an order by Nixon, and he and. And the way he put it, I mean, this is, I think, on tape or something to whoever he was instructing, uh, whatever military officer was, uh, we want anything that flies to bomb anything that moves. Uh, you mm-hmm. could wind up killing a lot of people that way. The, um, uh, let me lower the level of discussion. Uh, there was this singer named B.J. Thomas, Raindrops Are Falling on My Head, who died a couple weeks ago. Oh, did he die? He died. And he had a he had a, an anti-war song. Directly about the decent interval, it was the the chorus was what kind of logic and what kind of 
brain would not think it's insane, blah, 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 hmm. who would choose to kill millions for an honorable peace. It was, it was directly about the decent interval and, and it was pulled from the airways after about a week. Really? Uh, and it disappeared into like, I tweeted about it and only one guy even remembered it. Uh, but you know, this is like a, anyway, we didn't hear about from BJ Thomas again for a long time. Uh, so, um, well, he, but, he separately had, I remember reading a little bit of his autobiography or something. He separately, he had a drug problem and he, by his account, a devastating career moment was when he was on the tonight show and he was so, I think he was on speed or something. And Carson said, how do you do it? You know, you keep going, you do all these concerts, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he felt ebullient enough to just say drugs. And he thought it was like a laugh line. It is like, a laugh line. Well, it should be. But uh, by his account, that was like a devastating moment. And it was a moment of reckoning. And he got off drugs. And by the way, huh. one, of his, one of his most famous songs is a drug metaphor, Hooked on a Feeling. Yeah. Remember that song? But uh, Yes. But, um, well, um, anyway, he had a very, very precisely targeted, sophisticated anti-war song. About exactly what we're talking about. I will, I will check it out. It's not, you can't dance to it. It's not that good a song, but it is. I'm not that kind of guy anyway. Don't worry. Um, he didn't do as badly as Arthur Godfrey, as the guy who killed his career by dissing Arthur Godfrey on Arthur Godfrey's show. Who did that? I, some of, some guy you never heard from again. With good <laughs> like, damn reason. It's like, it's like he, he, he talked back to Arthur Godfrey and his career was over. I hope um, we have that moment on tape. Well, that moment is on tape, but it's a famous moment. Excellent. It's like talking back to Andy Griffith on a face in the crowd. You don't do it. No. Anyway, um, so I, I, I learned that I talked back to some radio show. Yeah. Like, like I was on, they booked me and then they started talking about immigration and they said, Mickey, would you leave? We have too many people in the room. And I said, but this is the only thing I, I bitched a bit. I said, this is the only thing I know anything about. And I was never asked back. Huh. Never, never complain. There's a lot of places I've never been asked asked back to. Never complain. Uh, 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 there's a lot. So uh, uh, not totally unrelated to Afghanistan. What, what's your take on Ilhan Omar, the attempt to, to uh, by the Democratic leadership to shut well, her the hell up? What, what she said at the what she said, her question at the hearing, which is, shouldn't all these crimes be investigated? Yeah, seems inoffensive. I wouldn't. Why? Why go after her for that? Then she tweeted and said, "Israel, Hamas, the U.S. are all guilty of unthinkable war crimes or atrocities." Atrocities. They, well, there you are. There you there, in that tweet. You are accusing Israel, and the United States, of unthinkable atrocities. Of course, so, you're saying they've never done that. Uh Unthinkable atrocities. Uh, I would say the atrocities are sort of. Does the name Sabra and Shatila mean anything? There's a different. To you? I would say there's a different uh, level of. She, well, uh, she didn't say it was the same level. Atrocities. We're she on that list too, Bob. Did America. We do, did we do Sabra and Shatila? No, that no. was uh, Ariel Sharon. I mean, he 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 let he let the, these Christians right. into these Palestinian refugee camps. In Lebanon, knowing exactly what they were going to do, and uh, what they did was kill a ton of people. Right. Anyway, my, my um, instinct, but, but, my but, but, and we've always... done stuff, and we've done stuff recently. I mean, we've done, you know. I, but, but anyway, the uh, tweet ahead. is: feel free tweet, to give an example. Her tweet is: uh, Well, 
first of all, her tweet is, we must have the same level of accountability and justice for all victims of crimes against humanity. We have seen unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and Taliban. She's not saying they've committed equal numbers of atrocities or equal magnitude or anything. But the answer with America is, you know, the further back in history you go, the bigger the atrocities can be. I would say the example I just gave you, kind of aimlessly bombing Cambodia to buy us a little fucking political time is pretty egregious. But even, you know, if, if you're just talking qualitatively and not quantitatively, your man, Donald Trump, you know, this uh, this this Navy SEAL guy who just murdered a captive in gray in flagrant violation of the laws of war, committed a, just a disgust, a, a war crime so disgusting that his own subordinates broke the code of silence and reported him. Uh, he was exonerated by President Trump. President Trump was the president. So the government of the United States said this is cool. This was is cool. Trump, we just was, kill people in captivity. Okay. Was Trump president was Trump president when the atrocity was committed. What the hell does it matter? He probably was, but what does it matter? Well, because I think the atrocity was the killing, not so much as the exoneration. Look, when the president of the United States says it's cool to kill captives in cold blood, how is that not an atrocity that the United States has committed? He, he didn't say he didn't necessarily say that. He might have said, "I believe whatever story this guy cooked up." To That's justify fucking it. bullshit. And look, I mean. You know, go back as far as you want. I mean, uh, we, 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 we dropped, you know, we dropped atom bombs on people. We, you know, and, and uh, and in, you know, the point is, it's not, uh, and of course, but, but of course, the main blowback that she's getting is probably about Israel. She's being accused of being anti Semitic, right? Yes. And, and look, I mean, t- look, Tom it, Friedman, just let me finish this. After the 2014 war in Gaza, which killed about 10 times as many people as the most recent one. Um, uh, Tom Friedman wrote, Israel is sending a message. We are willing to commit war crimes if you keep messing with us. He wrote that. Now, he may right. have later walked it back under pressure, but it's what he believed. And he's not some kind of flaming anti-Israel lefty. Did he say they had committed war crimes or they just they were yeah. willing yeah. No, he say, he says they are. No, so he said he said they had committed the war crimes okay. by. I mean, this is what the only thing the sentence could mean is right. they by, they committed war because okay. they, they didn't say it. They didn't literally say it. He's saying they said it by doing it. We are willing to commit war well, crimes if you keep messing with us. My my instinct is always to defend Ilan Omar against all these attacks. But I thought that tweet went a little too far. She took it down. She could just say. Uh, an over-enthusiastic intern tweeted it. Uh, they well, made that would be eat, a lie. They made her eat. Well, we don't know. Oh. Uh, and they and they uh, and they they made her eat more shit than was deserved. And they're still making her eat. Oh shit. yeah, Pelosi but, uh, and Hoyer officially denounced her. And I'm sorry, there's just nothing untrue in it. And, and moreover, it but, shouldn't be the case that if you criticize both the U.S. and Israel. Even in in uh, extreme terms, that that people can safely uh, accuse you of being anti-Semitic, you should be allowed to um, to, to criticize well, countries. Uh, Pelosi's uh, statement was particularly badly worded. She says, "I believe in robust debate and free speech, but false equivalent falls outside that." <laughs> no, it doesn't. Free speech involves the right to make false equivalences. Well, there's also this weird thing. She says, drawing false equivalencies between democracies like the U.S. and Israel 
and groups that engage in terrorism. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, what does the democracies thing have to do with it? Either we have committed the atrocities or, or, or we haven't. Right. It doesn't help if we're democracies and we've committed them. Right. Well, uh, well, Elon, you're safe with us. Uh, no, yeah, on that question, on the Elon question, um, my point is just that this is not a rescue mission for the species. It's a rescue mission for a very small number of I would tell you about Elon Omar, not Elon Musk. Oh, Elon. Elon, yes. Yes, no, Elon. Um, So should we talk, should we get into some boring policy, like infrastructure? Well, go ahead. Take the lead. No, it's sort of like, uh, we can talk, there's sort of a pyramid of gravitas where we have to go through a, we have to have a lot of Cheap gossip in order to justify reaching the heights of what is the height? Boring. What is the height this week? I think the height may be in for fucking infrastructure. Well, if it's if it's literally fucking infrastructure, right, that's yeah. a great uh, segue from you know tubing or something. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's infrastructure. Um, uh, I have well, uh, there's sort of a congressional sort of situation or recap. What's what's up with Congress? Uh, that uh that I thought I had under control, which is um uh he's basically things are drifting to the de- toward the Democrats sort of wanting to put and having to put because they only have one chance everything in this one big reconciliation bill for which they have to get basically all their troops on board okay uh and that is sort of the direction that the progressives I guess would be pushing Biden and Biden is resisting. And and uh, uh, pursuing these bipartisan talks for a much smaller, hard infrastructure package with Kirsten Cinema and nine others, and they they claim to have come to some sort of minimal agreement. Uh, and uh, we don't know whether Biden is just stringing them along, intending for it to fail, and then he can move to the big reconciliation package, or if he really wants to do it. Uh, the the argument for it is if he re- he really wants to do it because he has to please Cinema and Mansion to get them on board for the big right. reconciliation package. But if stringing Cinema along and then pulling the rug out from under, that's not going to please her. So why why is why is that such a brilliant strategy? I do think, and also the other well, thing does is, doesn't he just want to show her he tried? I she said you got to try first. We have to. Be, she has to be able to tell her constituents well, we tried. But, they aren't happy when when he moves the goalposts. That's what Capito Capito complained that he moved the goalposts a couple times. So in order to sabotage the bipartisan talks, he might have to move the goalposts. What he's doing now is something I think completely crazy, which is one of the ways they proposed to fund it is by a increase in the gas tax. Okay, which serves all sorts of liberal goals. In, you increase the gas tax, that means electric vehicles, which they're pushing, become more economical. It means people drive less. It's good for the economy. Uh, yet Biden is resisting it because he says it violates his campaign pledge not to tax anybody under $400,000. Does he really believe that? Does he really believe that would be a potent issue for the Republicans? Would he really be, does he really want to be the first president not to go back on his tax pledge during the campaign? I mean, that can't be the reason he's resisting. It must be that he's trying to throw a monkey wrench into these talks somehow. Well, and push it oh, wait, you said it's a, it's a gas tax? Yeah, the gas tax, tax is a pretty regressive tax. I mean, any, almost any flat consumer tax that's not somehow adjusted for income 
is regressive in the sense of taking a larger percentage of low income people's paychecks than higher incomes. But a gas tax, especially because so many, you know, working people, it's like increasingly, you know, upper class people are, are working from home and stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's the working class that buys gas, you know. So that's a, I, I think it makes sense for a Democratic president to resist that. They haven't cited that. I, I just can't believe they can make it up in progressivity through some other means. All they want to do is index the gas tax for inflation. Uh, and since inflation is going to be big, I guess it brings in a lot of money. Um, yeah, it, that's, that's the whole. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm himself. against. I'm against measuring every little jot and tittle of the budget by whether it individually is regressive or progressive. But um, there we differ. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, but I have a question on. Well, on I mean, if, if, if he traded off, I increase the gas tax and I double the tax on people over four hundred thousand dollars. The net outcome is is progressive. You should take that deal. Every component has to be progressive. Well, I mean, first I'd say there is virtue in in a gas tax for environmental reasons. And if you can but if you can do the equivalent of that. Uh, you know, with a progressive, you know, uh, a guy who was a professor of mine in college and, and, and died under tragic and bizarre circumstances was it was one of the leading kind of designers of a progressive consumption tax. So I know it is possible but um uh, but i don't know how you would operationalize it a gas tax is the kind of thing that you know in terms of carbon it's it's justified but it it falls so heavily on low-income people that i don't like it um anyway the development this week was finally you were hearing complaints from democrats i just this morning that they they're, they're reluctant to pass everything through a big massive reconciliation bill uh, that, uh, so that there's some grumbling among the troops that maybe would suggest that Biden doesn't have the votes. He has to keep everybody in line. So that might encourage him to pursue this bipartisan thing. Of course, if you do the hard infrastructure, which is the, the popular part through a bipartisan deal, doesn't that reduce the pressure to, you know, that, that's supposed to be the engine pulling the train of everything every liberal wants the government to spend money on. Once you do the, the popular parts, are the votes going to be there to do the less popular parts, including this horrible, by my mind, uh, child tax credit, which is the, you know, the the um, reinstatement of welfare? Is that all going to pass just because there's party discipline, even though you've already done the popular thing? I don't know. There, there, there has to be a debate in the White House on this. Uh, and they also have to have better information than we do. I mean, Schumer must know who's on board and who's not. He must have, well, you know, the, so- the- the other thing I don't totally understand is why are they equating getting Republican support with not doing reconciliation? I mean, first of all, in principle, well, two things. I mean, if you only got five Republicans, that would give Cinema and Mansion a little cover, right? And then you could go through reconciliation. And secondly, if you can't get Mansion Cinema to play ball or just get Mansion to play ball, can't you just get one Republican and go through reconciliation? Wait. So, what, what, what's what? What what baffles you? I mean, obviously, well, it seems they would like, like everybody is they saying would like to, they would like to get one Republican. Yeah. Well, it seems that's not what I'm hearing, though. Everybody's saying like 
they're they're equating getting Republican support with not going through reconciliation. Like if they get Republican support, it has to be 10 Republicans. Now, I can I can imagine various cases where fewer than 10 comes in handy. Am I just missing the stories where they talk about that or what? the, the, the compromise they're talking about is not through reconciliation. It's just a bill that will be passed with. But isn't Cinema still looking support. for 10 Republicans? No. Uh, I guess in theory, she and Manchin are looking for 10 Republicans. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, um, and the answer is, why would the Republicans agree to do that if the Democrats were just going to pass everything else through reconciliation anyway? Obviously, an unspoken condition of of agreeing to that is somehow limits on what the Democrats are going to push through on on reconciliation. Otherwise, it'd be insane for them to agree. Well, unless well, it's you good want politics, a and B and you the- say you give me A and I'm going to take B anyway. Well, why should they give you A? Well, I mean, first of all, if you give some goodies to uh, Mitt Romney or Lisa Murkowski that they can brag to their constituents about. But that would involve just going right to reconciliation. That doesn't involve a a bill that passes through through regular process. You know, McConnell is McConnell is just going to say if he thinks, you know, if if McConnell doesn't like it, he gives sort of an order. Don't vote for this. And it's it's quite hard to defy. I think Murkowski could defy it. But uh you know, it's it's not like it's it's not easy to get a whole lot of people. So they could get one or two, and they and that would give them room to maneuver on reconciliation. But uh, you know, there's so the you know the the big question is if you have a huge bill with a hundred moving parts that we talked about last week, is it harder to pass or easier to pass? And I think it's turning out it's harder to pass because there's something everybody can object to. So even if you get two Republicans to sign on to it with all these hundred controversial provisions. It's going to be hard to get the other 48 Democrats you need uh, because there are all these controversial p- positions. So, uh, you know, they, and some of which are going to be very, very important to local constituents and, and nobody's going to want to sacrifice their seat. And I think the pressure is actually worse in the House. I've been saying this and nobody's contradicted to me, but it may, me, but it may, it may be just because this is so obviously crazy. It's harder for Pelosi to pass a reconciliation bill in the House than it is for Schumer to pass a reconciliation bill in the Senate, because Pelosi has a little margin, but they're all up for election every election, and they're all very responsive to local concerns, and there's going to be something in the bill that's going to piss off the constituents of enough Democrats to make it hard for Pelosi to pull together a majority, even though the House is a more disciplined place than the Senate. Uh, Well, if you're right, uh, you should wind up getting a lot of credit, because nobody is saying that to you, right? Um. You should amplify it a little just to make sure you get the credit. Okay. Is anybody um, else saying that? Not that I've read, but, uh, they, you know, they, it may be that the house, I, you know, I, I may be underestimating the power of Pelosi wheels. I mean, the house is much, much more disciplined. So if they send out a, you must vote for this, uh, order, it's generally followed, but, uh, not always. Well, if you are right about that, you should win a Pulitzer. Speaking of which, did you notice that right before we started taping, the Pulitzers were announced? Oh, dear. No, that's the the opposite of schadenfreude. And I. <laughs> it's not a happy day. Your life. Your life is the opposite of schadenfreude. People, Mickey. My no, life. not with Jeffrey Tubin around. No, he is. Jeffrey well, Tubin is, is OK, but but until Mr. his great fall, your relationship to, to him was the opposite of schadenfreude. Why, why well, am I pronouncing the, it that way? Is that fall, the way it's pronounced? The fall took deliciously long to happen. That just made it suspenseful. Anyway, I'm predicting that in your Twitter feed, more than in my Twitter feed, 
there will be complaining about how woke the Pulitzers are. Were they were they woke this year? Well, uh, e- pretty. I, I, I just kind of glanced. I mean, as far as the news, the newspaper ones, uh, it's kind of, you know, COVID, George Floyd, COVID, George Floyd. And, and I haven't looked into the ethnicity of the individual people on them. But when you get down to like, Fiction, nonfiction, poetry, drama, it's it's pretty much it's pretty much down the line. I mean, just in terms of the themes, the identities of the winners and and so on, which is fine with me. But hasn't I think been, that, that seems that's been true for a while, hasn't it? There's been a you know, yeah, yeah, there's a it's a it's a pretty socially conscious uh, group of folk. But I guess that that award those. But um, I, I would say it's. I, I'm guessing that you will hear people say it is, no. depending on your oh, perspective, sure. worse this year or better this year than usual. Well, that's a, in the break between this and the parrot room, we I can we can look at the list and find. Yeah, you can uh, find you, more to find more to bits. You about. can spend the whole parrot room exhibiting the opposite of Schadenfreude. Um, the you'd like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, not, which is and what would that be? What, what how is that the op? What is that the opposite of? Anyway, the um. Why, did you finally just as long as we're venturing in the direction of cancel culture? Um, did you see the thing about the authors? It was in Slate. It was it was actually interesting because it was in Slate, uh, and it was it was not a it, it was Slate writing a piece about how wokeness having gone too far in the eyes of the person from Slate writing about it. And that person wasn't Will Salatat. A person was Laura Miller. Oh, okay. I believe is the name. And then did she used to write for Newsweek? Is I don't know what's and what is what 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 well, where, where so, has he finally it, gone too far for Slate? It's these uh, a couple of um, well, at least in one of them, there's the intimation that she feels that way. I forget what she says about the other one. Uh, it's the one thing about lines authors saying, "Oh, you're right. I'll remove this line from subsequent issues of the of the novel." And oh, here's really? yeah. Now here is one. I want to read this to you, and I want you to guess what the complaint about it was that led the author to vow to remove it. Okay. Okay. It's an it's a gay romance novel published in 2019, in which a supporting character who is the president of the United States complains. Quote: This is the president of the United States talking in this novel. Quote. Well, my U.N. ambassador fucked up his one job and said something idiotic about Israel. And now I have to call Netanyahu and personally apologize. That's the line that's leaving. Now, guess what the complaint is? Uh, you, uh, I, I, there's the obvious complaint, which is the Elon Omar complaint, style complaint. Uh, the, well, finish that thought, because it turns out the complaint is the opposite of that. But <laughs> in other words... They, they, they are saying that Israel controls like American or uh, America's too indulgent of Israel or something. And that's like a trope or something. Right. Right. That's what you would think. No, the complaints were that this normalizes one. One commenter said this normalizes the genocide and war crimes done by Israel that will always be backed up and unashamedly supported by America, another Twitter user, explained that mentions of Israel, especially when they're completely unnecessary as well, such as in books, films, shows, uh, normalize the occupation of Palestine. So what, did they even mention existence? Israel's like Taiwan. You can't even mention it. Um, I guess that's the line. Now, Laura Miller notes that uh, 
Do I have this here? Oh, she says it seemingly doesn't matter that the line clearly reads as a gentle satire of the United States overly deferential foreign policy. So she what what is troubling to me is that this suggests that there may be people on the left who don't have a sense of humor. I mean, they don't they don't understand that this is a comment that is assuming the form of satire. Right. You um. You somehow wonder if these bandwagons just start and nobody even bothers to go back and read the original text. They just feel they have to get on the bandwagon. But yeah. um, I accept your critique, and I assume I, that's if that's Laura Miller's critique, uh, it is. sounds reasonable. But it, it just sounds like a lame scene. I mean, it sounds like one of these dramas written by Sidney Blumenthal that's very well informed and don't work as dramas. <laughs> but um, Has Sid written a novel? He... He, there was some play he, he redid for, and it was produced in LA and it was all very, very smart and knowledgeable and just did not work as drama. It was excruciating. Uh, so I forget. And you, what, was, you sat through it. Was he there when you I sat, sat through, through it? I believe so. Painful. Luckily, there were many other people in the room. They didn't ask you to speak about it afterwards. <laughs> no. And I, 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 I could make a quick exit. I may, I may even ex- have exited before. Always sit uh, near the back when the author uh, is present. In L.A., that's sometimes not possible. Sometimes you're watching in a small room and the director greets you at the exit and you have to say something to him. And the rule is lie. Do not try to be clever and say, I've never seen anything like it before. <laughs> or yeah, you really or, did it, didn't you? Or provocative. Or, yeah. Or, don't say that. Just say, it's brilliant. I read your book with interest. Just lie. Yeah. No, always um, lie. That is, I think if there's <laughs> one message we should leave uh, the more useful members of our audience with today, it's, it's always be lying. Uh, it's, but it's, it, it's, it's a testament to human nature that it takes people a while to come to this realization. They all feel like, oh, I should say something honest that placates the director, but, uh, but is, you know, is truthful. No, <laughs> you'll never do that. No, she just lie. Yeah. Um, as, uh, a friend of mine once said when he finally at the age of 60 told his mother he was doing something that he wasn't actually doing, he goes, lying. Why didn't I think of that before? Anyway, okay. Um, I I actually work pretty hard to not lie. It's, I mean, especially when it comes to like why you can't do something, like why you can't attend something or other. I don't just make shit up. I indulge in clever wordplay. Well, you always have your newsletter. You don't say I'm doing my newsletter. Speaking Um, of which, yeah. Anyway, there's some serious topics I have on my list. Well, you better hurry. We've been doing this an hour, man. Well, we can talk about it in the parrot room. We have natalism. Oh, what, yeah, that's why, a... why, why do we need more? Uh, why do we need more babies? Uh, we have is democracy dying? There was this letter. There was a an, an article by Tom, Tom Edsel, uh, and and I actually read, I actually read the Texas law and. Uh, 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 I, there actually were two things that troubled me about it. It's basically anodyne, but there there were two there were two things in the Texas law. That I, I didn't think it was like a nothing burger. Um, uh, the, uh, there's that. There's more on uh, 
there's a theory of the COVID origin that sort of synthesizes the uh, lab leak and the wet market. So that's great pyramid material. Uh, okay. Um, COVID origin synthesis. Uh, and then there's Mickey's uh, Mickey's review of ideas that would make good newsletters, but he's going to piss them away in the parrot room and not make any money off them. No, that's a good way to uh, to test them, test market them, see what the people say, see if you can we can get anybody in the parrot room to throw money in your direction. They as always say that's a good idea. You should write a newsletter about it, and then I am too lazy to write a newsletter. So. Um, These are pieces, newsletter pieces, or newsletters. They would be items. They would be items. items. Yeah, I need yeah. an item idea. I got to write something tomorrow, and so yeah. we will, we will, we will brainstorm in the pair room about what we're going to write. Um, this is folks at patreoncom slash room where you will find all of this. So we said we're going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Is it the Vanity Fair piece? Yes. Yeah, I want to say a little bit about that. Um, we're going to talk about like- your- yeah. Go ahead. We have I feel like we should talk about a, a one more thing in the free. Maybe you're wrong in the in this free version. Okay, well, let's go ahead and summarize uh, what we're going to say in the parrot room, and then we'll talk about one more thing. Okay, we have Epstein, Hunter, and oh, Hunter. Uh, so that's two of the three. I want to, having complimented uh, Slate's Laura Miller, I want to complain bitterly uh, a little more about their uh, podcast, Slow Burn. And accuse okay. them of, you know, crimes against humanity and stuff. Um, the, and then we said we're going to talk more about UFOs. I think there's a, there's a complaint about David Sanger. I was going to work into this, but, uh, we're kind of running long. Do uh, we have uh, anything more to say about UFOs? I don't think we do. I thought you said we did. I don't think, oh, I, think I guess we, we went we, down that rabbit hole, didn't we? We, we went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. I'll probably think um, of something though. It's uh, endlessly fascinating. We have, oh, there's this, there's this weird Georgia ballot thing which is uh we can talk about weird georgia ballot this judge has given trump a a small peg to hang his head on Um, well yes you know what they say uh small hands small hat um and uh that's basically it uh hydrochloroquine is back about time. I, I've been wondering: was was is that not something that was successful and has been hushed up? Oh, uh, it's a mystery to me. But go ahead. Um, so, because such was the animus toward Trump when he first tried to flack it, I thought really media was kind of uh, avoiding any good news about it. But I, I don't know. There's been enough time. You'd think good news would have broken through, but seems to be some possibly. Bad news on the uh, this. What is it? The Delta uh, variant of COVID. Is that the one that's hitting England and seems a little little more challenging than some of the others? Also, uh, a number of states are no longer reporting their COVID data daily, so the data is a little harder to follow on a day by day basis. But um, we're still, you know, deaths are still kind of, I would say, plateauing at what is, you know, compared to the last. 15 months a low level we have and we also have mara gay is that how you pronounce her name at the new york times complaining about trucks that fly flags oh yes trucks uh, that fly I, I vaguely remember this trucks uh, that fly flags. so okay so jeffrey epstein epstein complained about slate complained about david sanger 
COVID synthesis. What should we write? Hunter. Weird Georgia ballot thing. Trucks of flight Hunter. flags. Hunter. I said Hunter. Oh, be more. Okay, but but what is our uh, – so what is the thing you want to close with? Well, I, I just thought um, Jim Garrity, his theory of COVID is that it's in the lab and they flush it down the sewer yeah. and the sewer goes through the wet market. And they use the sewer – they use the – some form of sewer water to do something in the wet market as a, as like a cooking oil or something in the wet market. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's both. It's a lab leak. It's a wet market. Uh, that would explain Grand why. Unified theory. This is that, the gut that we've been expl- waiting for. That would explain why they found it all over the wet market. Uh, and so many people who went to the wet market got it. Uh, and yet it would also explain how it got to the wet market without a – a human transmission getting, you know, somebody getting sick in the, in the what lab and bringing it there and without an intermediate animal since they can't find the intermediate animal. You would think they wouldn't make a habit in a lab like this of just flushing stuff down the drain, but uh, I guess it could well, have happened accidentally and somebody failed to follow the normal procedure. It's better than my racist trope that they sold the lab animals for food. I remember that. I, I've actually gotten slightly to the bottom of that. It, it was from a New York Post article by a guy named Stephen Mosher, who is n- not completely credible from his bio because he's obviously an advocate of from the Heartland Institute. He's some kind of anti-China advocate. And I think it's it's there is a case of a guy who pled a prominent scientist who pled guilty to selling lab animals for profit. Uh, but he was a cloning expert. The animals were. Uh, like cows and pigs and, and, and milk that were not necessarily infected, but they were maybe cloned or something. Uh, so it was like a step less, uh, disgusting than selling infected lamb animals. Mm-hmm. But he did plead, plead guilty. Uh, and that's basically that's the origin of the rumor that got to my ears and so offended. And, and that's the reason it's not racist for you to repeat it. Well, it's not racist for defeat if I'm saying it is possibly racist. I'm, I'm the, you oh. know, and it, it, apparently the rules against what you could do with lab animals were pretty lax here uh, until like not too long ago. Uh, so uh, it's not necessarily doesn't necessarily mean you're a horrible, decadent, never to be civilized nope. country. It does mean you're ten years behind us. Hey, plus uh, people are eating cicadas even as we speak, Mickey, right here in America. Not you. Not me, but my dogs are just are. It's like every 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 hour is picnic hour for my dogs. Crunch all you want, we'll make more. Although I got to say, it, we have reached peak cicada. They, they seem not to be crawling out of the ground anymore, and some die but every it, day. So I think it's it, we're headed down. I mean, I've only seen this. Why are not more people? And maybe I'm am I asleep? Why are more people not analogizing the cicadas coming out of their holes with Americans coming out of isolation? After the pandemic, I saw I only saw one person doing that. And it's such an obvious cliched metaphor that nobody's doing it. It's so cliched. It's never becoming cliched. You should have won a Pulitzer with a mind like that today. You should have won a Pulitzer. That's a it's a self-degrading. I'd write that piece. I would write that piece pronto. You know what? One quickly. I want to show you some of my fine cicada art, but. There is one that I'm not going to show you because that's for the parrot room, okay? So, 
This the, is, uh, and by the way, this is a great camera on my Huawei smartphone that took this wonderful picture. Now I'm going to show this to you. This is like some super great cicada art. You see that? I think that's what Jeffrey Tubin was looking at that day. Well, I got to say, I get a I mean, that that is very free song when I look at it in my loins, in fact. But this is the one I'm showing here on this podcast. But in the parrot room, you know what I'm going to show you, Mickey? Yes. 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 Cicadas having sex. Bingo. Bingo. That's Man. the bonus content. And and I'm not don't guess how they do it. You may have seen the pictures. It's it's counterintuitive. Really? It's wild. Even Jeffrey Tubin would consider this wild. It's highly okay. counterintuitive. And and I've got really great, great photos. Okay, well, Very graphic. Cicadas having sex, but you're not gonna you, get it for free, folks. You get you get banned from YouTube for talking about hydrochloroquine, but you don't get banned for suggestive cicadas, cicadas. So um I'm all for it. So patreon.com slash pair room, uh, Cows Files is Mickey's newsletter, Nanzio's mine, Cows Files. Oh no, Cows Mickey is your Twitter handle. Robert Ryder's mine. Rate and don't review for- the right show. What else? Don't forget the reverse schadenfreude. And always, always remember the reverse schad- schadenfreude. Sh- Commonly know. known as envy. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Kind of. I guess they have a shorter word. Actually, for that. yeah, envy is a more economical way of saying that, isn't it? If they can put masturbation in the headline, they can put Schadenfreude in the headline. That's well. I, as you know, I support the increasing use of onanism as an economical substitute. Um, so, uh, so we will see you in the pair room shortly. Is that not the case? Yes. Oh, and and finally, we should say the thing you're holding up now. That we should say for the for the benefit of our podcast listeners, you were holding up something when you said this is an anal probe. But now I'd like to know, unless you want to say the answer for the pair room, what is that actually? Well, you don't know. Is it a, it's a carrot slice. Is that a carrot slicer? I don't know. It's it's. Um, oh my Bob, god! It's got ha- a blade a, that opens up. We have an even more probing probe. Oh Jesus! That looks like it's, a file. Is that a file? <laughs> I don't know, but but this will. This is what the aliens reserve for. When you're recalcitrant. Oh, Mickey, so, that, Mickey, that um, was really disgusting. Anyway. That's, that's disgusting. Um, I went with I went with the mild probe. Yeah, that I, until just now. Yeah. I believe is a carrot slicer, yes. I think it is a carrot slicer. Okay. Okay. So the conversation will get only more elevated, I assure you, in the We're pyramid. climbing the pyramid of gravitas. Yes. See you there. See ya.